Welcome to Let's Talk About Life, a weekly podcast brought to you by LifeBank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. Griff Hill and his wife, Linda, of Hudson, Ohio, enjoyed being active and staying fit. But when Griff noticed he was getting winded and out of breath when walking at a local park, the couple decided to get things checked out. They never expected a diagnostic procedure would turn into an emergency and lead to a 36-day stay in the hospital with Griff being sedated for most of that time. It really was a race against time to keep Griff alive. And then, when things looked bleak, a donor hero gave Griff and his family a reason to exhale. Hi, you're listening to episode 69 of Let's Talk About Life. I'm your host, Colleen Gerber, kidney recipient and LifeBank staff member. We're so pleased to have Griff here to share his situation and why an emergency lung transplant was his only hope. Thank you, Griff, for talking with us on this episode. We appreciate it very much. As we mentioned, your transplant experience is different from many transplant experiences where yours was an acute case and an emergency. Tell me the chain of events that happened that led up to the need for a lung transplant. Sure, Colleen. I guess it, it, it started probably in the, the late fall of 2013. My wife, Linda, and I were just basically taking a walk around Hudson Springs Park, where we normally do. And it was uncustomarily that I got very out of breath and winded during, a, during the walk. And this sort of continued for the next couple of weeks to the point where, you know, we decided that, you know, we needed to go talk to somebody. And um, at first I thought maybe it was pulmonary or heart related. To make a long story short, the um, pulmonologist that I talked to at the Cleveland Clinic came up with the idea that I had pulmonary fibrosis. I, again, it's a very unusual situation. Most people with pulmonary fibrosis is a long drawn out situation where they're on oxygen, they go years, you know, and plan for the, the transplant where my situation was, I was scheduled for a lung biopsy on February 18th, I think it was, basically just for them to confirm the diagnosis of idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. And during that procedure, it actually just irritated my lungs. And I guess it, it can happen two or three percent of the time, but my lungs became inflamed and it would not go down with the normal course of steroids and, and whatnot. So at that point, it, it became sort of a situation where I needed to be put on oxygen. And over the course of the next several days, my condition just continued to worsen. And you were in, hospitalized for all of this. Correct. Um, after February 18th, I never left the hospital. I was at down at Cleveland Clinic main campus. So I think that February 18th was a Tuesday or Wednesday. By Sunday 
they had already started listing me for transplant. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Griff, how did you take all of that in? What were you thinking when they said lung transplant? What was your initial reaction? I was, I was taken aback. You, you have to understand, too, in January, I was skiing up in New York. So I went from skiing to Cleveland Clinic doctors telling me I needed a lung transplant. So my head was definitely in a swirl. My wife, Linda, and, and I and my family, you know, got together and figured we have to do what has to be done. Yes, absolutely. How long after that did you actually have the transplant? My, my condition worsened and continued to decline that by the 25th of February, I was straight to events and put on ECMO, which is a, um, a life support machine that takes blood out, oxygenates it, and then goes back into your body. And again, at this point, I was heavily sedated, never really coming out of the sedation because of the condition I was in. And then probably around the 3rd or 4th of March, I was very close to being delisted because of my condition. My wife recalled it as just a, the worst time of her life where, you know, the doctors were saying, if we can't find anything, we're going to have to take him off the list because my condition was that bad. As luck would have it or God would have it, um, March 5th, lungs were found and I was put into uh, for surgery. And at 2.30 in the morning on the... Uh, I think it was the fourth, actually. They uh, they did the transplant. Hallelujah, huh? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, this was so much harder on my family and, and my friends than it was on me because I was totally sedated prior to even the transplant. And I had a difficult time coming out of the surgery. And so they took me out of sedation very slowly, almost five or six days me to come out. So I was out for probably 15 days, basically waking up and I didn't even know I had a transplant. They had to tell me. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's kind of amazing. I, I know you know, but for our listeners, lungs are not an easy organ to A, recover and B, transplant. And it's not only a, a matter of matching blood type size of the organs is really important. They must actually find somebody that's about the same size as the recipient. That reminds me of a friend of mine spoke to one of the doctors and, and asked something to the effect of, is Griff going to be a hard match? And the doctor said something about your friend is a very average person, which is in his favor. <laughs> so average size, the right blood type. So I was, I was actually... You know, I had that going for me. The lungs are so special. It's such a specialized organ. And wow, you are a lucky, lucky guy, Griff. Yeah, I, I, I really am. And I thank God every day for it and for my donor. Do you know anything about your donor? I did write a letter and gave it to Life Bank, And they facilitate the delivery of the, the letter to the family. And I've never heard back. And that's that's okay. Every year on, on March 5th, I, I think of them and what, what they lost. So 
if they ever want to reach out to me, I'll, I'll be more more than happy to, to connect, but that's their decision. Yeah, I agree. It's just our responsibility, I think, to, to show gratitude. It's not their responsibility to do anything more than to allow their loved one to give us the gift of life. Then you recovered and you were feeling better? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I came out, I think it was, I think I walked for the first time on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, and um, came home, I think, on March 25th. So so from the 18th to the 25th, I was in the, the great hands of the Cleveland Clinic and uh, got me home. And as you know, you know the, the new normal, as people call it, began for me and my family. And we, we do it every day. That's all it is. Yeah. And it's amazing how quick the time goes, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, so it's been seven years uh, last March. And it, it does seem, sometimes it seems like yesterday. So then you're at home recovering. How and when did you get involved with LifeBank? Um, actually, pretty quickly. Uh, I believe we, um, we received some kind of information from Cleveland Clinic letting us know about the uh, LifeBank's gift of life walk and run. And at the time, I was, I was trying to get as much exercise in and walking and exercising my, my new lungs. So um, my wife, Linda, and I decided to go down there. We were very close to Blossom. So we thought we'd go down there that Saturday morning and jump on the Cleveland Clinic team. And we both just just looked around in amazement. And we thought, this is, this is great. It was great being around other recipients. It was great being around donor families and thinking, oh, my God, these people lost a loved one in order for another person to to live and it was just really really powerful and we decided hey this is this is something we want to get behind we want to do this and so um that's when Griff's Grateful Gang came into uh, fruition and Griff's Grateful Gang has really taken a hold of the gift of life walk and run your team is normally the biggest recipient team every year. And I think for the past four or five years, you're the highest fundraising recipient team that LifeBank has seen. So you guys have really made a huge, huge impact for LifeBank. And we, we couldn't be any more grateful. Thank you. I'm kind of competitive by nature. And so um, I remember the first year or so in 2015, uh, my wife Lynn and I decided that we wanted to start a team and really get involved with the gift of life walk and run. And I remember walking into Life Bank into that um, into that little room you have over on the left side, the little like trophy room. I remember seeing the plaque for the gift of life walk and run, and it had the first place team. I forgot who it was at that time and what they wrote, what they raised in, in donations. And I said, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna put a team together, and I'm gonna be the the top top earner the, the most that Life Bank has ever raised for a team, and that first year I think we raised over fifteen thousand dollars, and we had I think over a hundred hundred uh, team members. So yeah, we we uh, we really got behind it. The, my family and friends are are really the spirit behind a lot of this. They're behind this, you know, one hundred percent. 
and it shows. Uh, we see a sea of green T-shirts whenever you guys show up. So <laughs> we yeah. love it. We love it. We love it. And uh, it's just an amazing crew, that's for sure. And we do tend to see more donor family, the larger donor family teams, but to be a recipient team and be huge and such a presence is pretty impressive. But I want to jump to your advocacy work because not only do you raise funds for LifeBank, but you give of your time, you volunteer, and then you also have participated in statewide campaigns with Donate Life Ohio. Do you want to talk about that and and how you felt about being part of a bigger message? I was honored again. Um, that uh, Donate Life Ohio was putting together an ad campaign for organ donation. And somebody at LifeBank threw my name out and contacted me. And I was like, sure, I would, I would love to do whatever I can to help spread the word of organ donation because it's, it's so close to my heart. It was just a really fun thing to do with Donate Life Ohio, doing the commercials, during COVID, we had to do it from home, so it was really neat how they sent a bunch of uh, equipment to our houses, and we used our phones to film the, the commercials, and I, I think they came out great, with the, the way the director did it and everything like that, and um, I think the final product came out uh, wonderful. It's been seen everywhere. The message really got out there, and you did a great job. We were... Very excited to have yourself and Candace Monroe, both LifeBank volunteers, to represent us. And you guys did a great job. Yeah, she, she was great. And uh, yeah, I, I got calls from all over Ohio saying, hey, I just saw you on the History Channel. <laughs> or uh, a friend of mine was working out and um, something came on Pandora. And he goes, I heard you talking to me through my earphones on Pandora. <laughs> so it was, it was wide reaching for sure. That's great. Griff, is there anything else you would like to share? I guess that besides being competitive and wanting to raise a lot of money to an organization that's near and dear to my heart and my wife, I, I do a lot of it because it's a way for me to honor my donor and their family. Um, again, every March 5th, it's a celebration here in the Hill household. But we also are really aware that somewhere there's a family grieving. And we, we remember that. And, and I think my work with LifeBank is just a way for me to give back to that family, to let them know that their loved one lives on. And what a wonderful, wonderful way to honor him or her. I always say organ, eye, and tissue donation is the best of humanity. It's the absolute best that somebody can do for another human. I think you're a powerful, powerful example of that gift of life. And Griff, we can't thank you enough for all you've done for LifeBank, but for the bigger purpose of organ, eye, and tissue donation. Well, thank you. I hope to keep doing it uh, for years to come. It's a great organization. Well, and maybe next year's walk and run, we'll actually be together again. So we'll keep our fingers crossed for that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think a lot of us need that. I think we need to see each other again. We hope you found today's episode inspiring and informative. Let's Talk About Life can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Spotify, 
and other podcast providers. And of course, always on lifebank.org resources. We encourage you to subscribe and we invite you back next week. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life. If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org. Take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is depending on it.